Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. What's up, guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another amazing episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of cannabis and hemp through the eyes of the entrepreneurs and change makers who are pushing this incredible industry forward. As you know, if you've been listening to us or if you're brand new to our community, welcome. We are on a mission and are extremely dedicated to sharing the truth about cannabis and hemp and all of its derivatives and microchasms of the industry, um, we want to help you make empowered and educated decisions about how you care for yourself, this beautiful gift of life, the people and family members that you care about, the diseases you may be confronted with or health challenges you may be confronted with or otherwise just, you know, enjoying this beautiful gift of life that we all have. Um, if you're someone who's looking for products and resources that you can depend on to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for some quick and easy reads and our favorite picks for products. And if you're someone who is in the cannabis and hemp business, perhaps you're hitting some brick walls or glass ceilings, maybe you're brand new to the business and want to avoid any of the many pitfalls and challenges that come along with owning a business in this space, I'd love to hear your story. Shoot me an email at sonia at medicalsecrets.com and I'd love to connect. Guys, you know that I fish and farm out the best of the best in the industry, people from all different walks of life and all different levels of success, folks with big vision, huge hearts, and a mission to transform the way that we think about and talk about and utilize cannabis and the land that it grows in. Today is no different. I'm super excited to introduce you to my guests who at the core, like my husband, are some Texas boys. They are a company that is shaping the future of hemp in Texas, which is a tough fight all in itself, using a model of a focus on the farmers, which is the rock star in this plant moving forward. They are seeing more and more people switch back to farm life and We need more of this throughout our communities and societies. They are working to get processing online in both Wichita Falls, Texas, and Dallas, Fort Worth area, which in fact is one of the most major bottlenecks in this emerging industry. They're also supplying genetics of CBG at an extremely affordable rate. Here to share more about what they're doing, what their vision is, and the mission that they are out to accomplish uh, my good friends, Adam Bird and Chris Patello. How's it going? Howdy, Sonia. Going very well, Sonia. Thanks for having us. Yes, I'm super excited to have you guys on, really inspired by the work that you guys are doing. Myself and my team have done some pretty extensive um 
digging into your personal and professional backgrounds. But for folks who are listening and who have not had the opportunity to learn about you guys, why don't you share a little bit about who you are, what your backgrounds are, and what you're up to in the cannabis craze? Well, I kind of started out in this industry uh, about six years ago. My wife and I, we started running around the country and I've just had such a passion for this plant. I tried to learn every side of it that I could. So my wife worked in the dispensary. I worked on the farms. I worked in the processing. And I worked in it in multiple states to just try to get a overall aggregate of what we can kind of do. Uh, and my good friend Adam actually called me back to Texas whenever we had a uh, meeting of, uh, the, of the mines to actually start working on hemp in Texas. And it came about that the farm bill and we could finally bring a plant that is so wonderful back to uh, our, our home state. It, it is an opportunity that we are feeling very blessed with. Amen. Amen. You know, while Chris was running around up north visiting all these farms and getting his hands dirty, I was spending most of my time in books down here uh, spent a couple of victory laps in college and had the opportunity to see firsthand, uh, you know, the agricultural business economics and how that pans out. Over the last 25 years, there's been a drastic shift um, to where, you know, we have centralization of production centers. And we have as a goal to institute a policy of permaculture on these, you know, uh, farms, enabling the farmers to have available access, readily available access to the market in a multitude of manners um, where they're able to produce goods on site that enables them to not only regenerate their soil and create a finer product for anything that they decide to grow in future years, but also create a quality of life that is unlike anything that's currently available. Oh my gosh, I can't agree with you more. There was a long time where with our first three kids, we made the decision to live pretty ruly, about 45 minutes away from a gallon of gas or even a gallon of milk. And um, we grew most of the food that we um, ate and shared with our community. We were a very, are a very prayerful community. So it was, um, you know, we frequently got together with our communities and families to, you know, share in food and prayer. And it was such a wonderful lifestyle to be able to be home with our kids, letting them mm-hmm. learn and see and be a part of that sort of, not to be um, sort of generic or whatever, but the circle of life, it's quite literally a circle of life. And there's a, a pattern and a rhythm that you have to follow to, you know, enjoy that lifestyle, but also succeed in that type of lifestyle. And it's, it's such an incredible thing to be able to share with the next generation who I'm pretty scared right now. Most kids don't know how to dig in the soil, plant a seed and bring a (laughs) tomato off a vine, you know, and that's pretty horrifying if you think about it. Well, they can in Minecraft though. No, they They can play a sick game of Minecraft. You're right. You're right. We'll give, we'll give the youth their credit where it's due. Um, I'm, I'm really interested, you know, Texas, Texas is a pretty volatile market. This is not some place that we imagined. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not the person to ask about predicting where, like what's going to happen next with legislative development. Because when Oklahoma came online with full-scale recreational use, I was dumbfounded. I thought for <laughs> certain 
I thought for certain that they were going to be one of the last man standing, you know, but, but no, there's a booming market there. And more and more, especially this week is my Texas week. I've had at least four entrepreneurs um, with incredible vision and incredible businesses coming onto the show or reaching out to me in some capacity and talking about how they're delicately, slowly but surely opening up educational awareness, legislative development, even product sales right there in Texas. Talk to me a little bit about the legislative landscape right now and what could or is preventing you guys from making the headway that you want to make and the change that you want to make as fast as you want to make it? Well, it's really just kind of been an anchor, as it were. Uh, so the 1325, House Bill 1325 went through and opened up hemp. Well, now it's taken them all the way around, and now they're going to start actually opening up licensing on the uh, 16th of this month. And it's just been so long and so hard of a road to hoe to figure out what the rules are going to be and how they're going to do it. And a couple of things that it's like they went a little bit overboard on, uh, they're they switched to a total THC, which kind of changes how it's been operating in Colorado and uh, mm. Oregon and different places already. So we are coming in with a eight-year gap behind. And so it's our legislative has just been kind of anchoring us uh, along here. We're ready to grow. We're uh, getting antsy and we want to plan. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, what an incredible... You guys have incredible assets and and an incredible environment to be able to produce really quality product for both this cannabinoid craze but also the real future of of industrial hemp and the real uses that we're going to see global disruption in existing marketplaces um this is something that i'm i'm super passionate about and it's funny for me because I'm, I'm over from the West Coast, right, which is not so conservative. As a matter of fact, we're quite liberal um, over there in that part of the country. And for a long time, you know, the rainbow gathering and the quote unquote hippies of the world have all congregated and gathered in that part of the world, in that part of our country to advocate for and educate around the powers of hemp. And nothing was really taken very seriously. It was sort of just like, you know, the hippies preach if they were talking about biodiesel or, you know, um, hemp-friendly fabrics or, you know, just sustainable practices to create um, reusable resources, building materials, anything, textiles of all sorts, fuels of all sorts, just all of these different things that we use every single day, but really take for granted as far as like what the availability or sustainability is going to be for our community or let alone our planet, right? You guys are quite invested in the future of this industry while you're playing in the cannabinoid craze. Talk to me a little bit about what you guys are doing with CBG, which is known as the mother cannabinoid. It's the next big buzz in, you know, First, it was THC with cannabis legalization. Now it's CBD from uh, an expansive market that we can serve nationally. And CBG is the next big sort of craze coming online, that and CBN. 
what are you guys doing with CBG right now? Um, and then I'd love to talk more about what you guys, how you guys are investing in the future of this industry through fiber and fuel and textile. Chris, you want to field this one or you want me to? Uh, Adam, you got it. <laughs> so the CBG, we engaged this past year with a couple of these breeders um, is we did not have a cost-effective option for Texas. We have interest in this cannabinoid as its potential total THC is below the, not only the federal uh, legal requirement at post-decarb, but also the international availability, which avails our farmers to options around the world. Um, you know, our whole goal is to have something that is at least twice profitable for the farmer um, when in, in regards to cotton. And we feel that this crop, in particularly uh, going after select cannabinoids, is a way to write their bank accounts, make sure that the farmer's land is not about to be lost. It enables them to go after what people perceive as some of these riskier options. And in doing so, we will utilize the, the profits from the CBG operations to ensure infrastructure and enable us to institute a policy of permaculture on these farms where we can go in and grow uh, you know, non-cannabinoid-oriented uh, crops, fiber crops. Now, we do have some options from down south where they have CBN in seeded crop that is of use against the pharmaceutical industry. It is of use for every American that's fighting anxiety or depression or God knows how many other these maladies that affect them on a daily basis. So we're trying to position that. So that's kind of uh, the tip, if you will. But the main thrust of this is it enables us on each and every farm to begin producing biodiesel, begin utilizing the material for the farmer's goods, whether that be cattle, whether that be any number of other livestock. Um, and then furthermore, we'll be able to bring in labor and build with uh, the herd and hempcrete and provide you know quality homes for you know, a different quality of life. Our whole goal is to transition and ensure a ever-increasing number of farmers. We want to make them the rock stars. And how do we do that? We've got to make sure that they have a approach that does not put them in harm's way or, as you would see back in 1983 through 85, where the debt versus income ratio overcame the farmers and we saw consolidation of their acreage. Uh, we want to prevent that. Whenever you have consolidation in any market, you see, it's very unstable. It is not, you know, it's like the black swan. It becomes, uh, you know, there is no black swan until you see one and then you see several. The issue yep. uh, that we're trying to prevent here is a collapse. And we are approaching one at a record pace. So this crop avails us to an opportunity where if in mass, if we approach it uh, accordingly, We'll be able to provide for shipping vessels, We'll be uh, diesel. We'll be able to provide for aviation fuel, JP-54. We'll be able to take the material and put it through decortication and processing, come up with graphene, carbon fiber, base materials for these wonderful manufacturing goods that will radically alter every single American, and not just Americans, but every single individual across the face of the globe, a higher quality of life, a higher standard of living. So the American we feel that this is well, especially once they get their teeth sunk into it. Amen. So we just want to give them an opportunity to do just that. And with this crop, we don't feel that we can overproduce. Um, you know, we'll be able to go a couple different ways with each crop, whether it be the seed from the cola, uh, the cola material for the cannabinoids, uh, the fiber and bass material for manufacturing and herd for construction and animal feed. Um, we have an amazing opportunity. Uh, uh, uh.
truly. It is It is a, an incredible opportunity. And I'm super excited to hear this. I was actually just visiting a manufacturing uh, facility yesterday that's about 55,000 square feet. And they're processing you know, thousands of pounds of biomass every single day. And I'm asking them, what are they doing with the material once it's complete? And they're sending it right back to the farmers to till into the soil um, so that they can get the nitrogen into the, back into Amen. the soil and restore, you know, the vi- vitality of the soil. They're also using it for animal bedding, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I just, I think, I'm so excited to see how the manufacturers who are really kind of, they're definitely a joint in the industry right now. Um, I'm really excited to see how a lot of them are building in full scale sustainability practices so that everything is being utilized and nothing is left behind um, or considered to be Mm -hmm. waste. So it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. It's really exciting to see Um, what has been the temperature with the, I'm going to ask first the farmers, because I think that especially folks in your region, right, the southern part of the United States, all the way over to the southeast, they're you guys are relatively conservative, um, also known as the Bible Belt, right? And in a lot of in a lot of instances that this means that whether or not they think it's good communally, they, they tend to be afraid of prosecution or judgment, right? Right. They want to fit in. They don't want to, you know, step out of the status quo. They're very much true to their church and therefore their community. Um, And it's very familial, almost, I would be so brave and bold to say almost incestuous in the sense that they can't think for themselves in a lot of cases, you know, and I find that to be true when I'm trying to like move somebody's mindset from unacceptable to acceptable and safe. So for you guys, when you're approaching different farmers and you're getting people on board with this vision, what is the temperature with the farmers? Are you met with a lot of resistance? How are you sort of helping them make that transition in their mindset to say, yes, I, I can, yes, I want to, and yes, I will? Well, at this point, the farmers are actually desperate. The farmers have been hurting all the different crops that have been coming wow. through, and they are scrounging and trying to hold on. This is a plant that offers an opportunity. Now, if you look at it with the pie in the sky eyes, you can see uh, the zeros behind it, and then you get blinded to it. There is a lot of work that goes into actually putting this together, and we are trying to help the farmer understand what that is and uh, get a operational learning curve to kind of walk them through. Uh, the farmer is the one that, again, is the rock star. They don't need any of our help to farm. This is just a new row crop. The uh, legislation right. is the ones that are thinking that this is anything different. But the farm bill makes right. it to where this is wheat, oats, and barley. They just have to learn how this to farm. It's an agricultural crop. And, and, and to harp on that, you know, the farmers, they're anxiously excited. You know, they are very interested. However, they also have a very healthy skepticism when it comes to uh, you know, legislation and appropriately so, as it seems and that uh, not only coming in and scaring them in the past, there have been a right. lot of crazes that came through, like through here yeah. would be guar, and uh-huh. then the market or collapses. The emu craze, the right? Yeah. And we have people who aren't getting paid for crops that they're producing now, whether it be peanuts or soybeans. 
Um, so what we want to implement is a policy that, you know, farmers were able to put cash in their hands and that enables the farmers to, you know, have a respect saying, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it pays off. And the goal that we want to institute across the board, uh, the approach more accurately, as Chris is fond of highlighting, is prohibition uh, for alcohol or this plant um, was, you know, started, spearheaded by the church and by the women folk. Well, we see that as an opportunity now that prohibition has ended to utilize those same two points in the church and the family to be able to bring this home and put this in the farmer's ear and allow them to understand the potential that we have facing us if we're able to scale appropriately. The community that it creates. Exactly. It's about community because it's not going to be one farmer able to accomplish this all. It's going to be many differing aspects within a community bringing value to the table so that everyone gets to eat. So incredible. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's that's so incredible. And I love to hear that the farmers are, you know, embracing this as an opportunity. Um, I know I know how the crazes go and get digging yourself out of the mm-hmm. hole can be really, really challenging. Um, my husband's cousin is one of the um, Colorado's largest USDA certified organic bean farmers. And, you know, he has just stuck with the beans because that's what pays the bills and, you know, watched several of his colleagues fall under the, uh, the weight of the crazes that have come through where he has just been really steadfast. But this year he finally opened up a pretty significant amount of land to hemp farmers, um, which for this New Yorker was not necessarily something that he welcomed in the past. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see, um, you know, the farming community embracing this. I know how much it's going to transform. And, and pre-interview, we were talking about the necessity to prevent the next dust bowl, you know, and this, I believe, is going to be um, one of the healing components necessary to make that possible. What Amen. for you? What for you guys, are you experiencing any pushback in your communities or from your legislatures um, when you're presenting your plan or idea to them? So, there's, Chris, you can go ahead. Uh, so there's not as much pushback as you would think. Uh, people are genuinely curious about what's going on. And now we have the politicians that are now in this position where they've been anti for so many years, but now they have to comply where they're scrambling for answers. So there's actually an opportunity here to actually reach out to your senators and uh, your representatives and actually tell them what's going on and tell them what your needs, wants, and desires are because they are supposed to be there representing you. So you have to be in their ear in order to get that done. And then the confluence that we see, the issue at hand is they're not. And it's becoming abundantly transparent as their interests are aligned with those who put money in their pockets. And regardless of the tax farming that they have implemented, quite a apropos, I feel, um, these farmers are now uh, competing with corporate interests um, that are more often than not completely contradictory to what the needs to happen um, for the local businessman, for the local farmer. And we see a 
a frustrating trend where very few elements within a community are able to stem or turn the tide um, of these farmers' interests. And it's heartbreaking. You know, we see this across Texas, not just in Texas, it's across America. So we do have, you know, pioneer farmers going out, feeding this to their cattle, recording the data, uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, we have the proper uh, positioning uh, to force the federal and local government's hands uh, that they are then able to proliferate the growth of this crop. It's enabling the high tides all boats rise uh, with the being able to work together. Amen to that. And I'd like, I'm sitting over here wanting to give a round of applause because like, this is such important work that you guys are doing. Um, and I, I'm so privileged to have the job that I have, you know, in getting to hear and then tell your guys's stories, um, through our platform. Like this is just, this is the kind of stuff that gets me really super excited. And I just want to take a moment and express my gratitude for your guys' vision and for the work that you're doing. Such important stuff, guys. Um, we know that the... Well, that, said on that real quick. It, it's not our vision. You know, we're the hands and feet. Um, you know, we've been given a message and our whole goal is to proliferate the good news. That God loves you whether you like it or not, and he's given us an opportunity. You know, you mentioned previously that the church being one of the positions that prevents people from jumping on board, and it has. But with proper proliferation of information, we see that shifting. You know, Cannabosum and Isaiah referenced uh, in you know, Genesis 129, it talks about uh, the plant of renown in Isaiah. In Genesis, it talks about God gave us all seed-bearing herbs. This is one of those that you look throughout history, and every time humanity has embraced this crop, it has provided clothing, animal feed, an expansionary effort for a civilization that takes hold of this, unlike any other. You look at the Babylonians, the Mesopotamians, you look at the Greek empires, or you want to talk about Macedonia uh, or the Romans, uh, you see a prolific expansion in their civilization when this is implemented appropriately. And if we are able to take hold of that now, this great country has a chance to rectify itself, not only just in debt, but also in the vision that we had once had, where we were the land of opportunity, where there was plenty here. And now we are have gone to a mindset of scarcity. We want to shift that mindset to a mindset of excess. And how do we do that? It's with this problem. Oh my God. Are you a preacher? I literally just had so many goosebumps and chills all over my body when you were talking. I like, I have no choice but to say amen right now. Like that was, yes, amen right now. Yes. Yes. Praise. Because I'm telling you, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, literally, you're not wrong. The mindset is very much towards a scarcity mindset, every man for themselves. And, right. you know, I, I, gosh, so super powerful. Thank you for that. Very, very powerful. Oh, it's um, our joy. Yes, I can see that and I can feel it. I'm <laughs> so excited. You have no idea. You literally have no idea. A lot of the time in, and I'll just be straight. I'm, I'm not one of those girls who, you know, has to, you don't you never have to guess what I'm thinking or feeling. I'm just going to tell it like it is. <laughs> I'm a lot of the time I have guests come on here and they're using the platform to self promote and which is fine. I encourage, I encourage that. I want you, I want 
folks to feel comfortable and confident to share what's incredible about themselves and what they do. However, the difference in this conversation is very much of the consciousness of, of family, community, society, right? And, and that of a nation. Mm-hmm. And I and really... Responsibility. Yeah. And I, I yes. just was going to use that word. The duty and responsibility that is built in and carrying a message which invokes a mission and that becomes very powerful and people sign on to that it's not products that make people move it's the people the vision the mission and feeling like they're a part of something greater that makes the difference and as the entrepreneurs or the or the magic messengers that you are you're carrying a great amount of responsibility and upholding to a duty to transform the way that things are being done. And that is a beautiful thing to see. And I, I, God bless your, your wives and your children who get to witness your good work in the world. I'll tell you. Well, that's why we do it. You know, that's the goal is that we, as you know, men in this world and then ladies as well, our goal is to provide a future that's better uh, the one we entered into, um, and if we, you know, sidestep from that, we become absorbed by selfishness, by self-centered or self-focused uh, uh, feeding. And if we get step away from that for just a moment and release the ego, then we have an opportunity for not one or, or, or a couple, but for all to share it. And that's when we have joy, because when we overproduce this crop, we will then be able to radically alter. Uh, points of capital input. And I don't mean money when I say capital. I mean sources of capital production, going back to Marx. And once we diffuse that, you will see a tremendous shift in the quality of life where wealth is not sequestered, where influence and power is not limited to those, you know, on the East Coast or in Wall Street. Uh, It avails us to a, you know, going back in time, if you will, is the way I phrase this. Every acre of crop that we plant, of this specific crop, gives us a little more time on, uh, you know, that clock. You go back to the 60s and I said, we're five minutes to midnight. We're, we're two minutes to midnight. Well, no, no, I, I, when we look at it, we're at 3 a.m. We're well beyond going back. You know, look at Antarctica and uh, Eagle Island. It was over 60 degrees early in the year. We have an opportunity to transition not just the local community, but the, the, the world stage by, you know, doing something that provides for our brother. And, and providing in the backdrop is our whole goal for the first couple of years so that people don't have to change how they consume. They don't have to, to go out and seek, uh, you know, shift in the market. It will happen on its own. And we'll be able to, with this crop, provide options for petrol, options for plastic, options for base materials that avail oh, ourselves food. to our food. It, it change the diet, change the way that they look at life and availing ourselves to this higher quality of living that we were intended to have, that we've been deprived of for over almost a century at this point. So it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching, but we get joy out of spreading information because, you know, maybe one of the listeners will hear this battle cry and will say, hey, you know what? I, I have something to add to that. I can, I can do that. Well, that's all we need. Every acre that we grow to in enable their passions. Amen. That's what it's about. If you set yourself on fire, people will gather around to watch you burn. So it's about community and it's about getting more and more people on board. Yes, absolutely. So with that, let me ask, let me ask this. I always ask this, but I'm going to ask y'all too. Um, What, 
what have been the one or two biggest challenges in getting this off the ground? Well, and James, I, I say count, uh, James one, it says count every, uh, trial as a joy. And one of the main things that we kind of do whenever we just start proliferating information is we create competitors. But what that does is it legitimizes the company or legitimizes the industry more. We need more people to pick up something and go do something. It is tired of waiting on somebody else to go and wait for this other person to do a thing. They need to grab the hoe. They need to grab the shovel. They need to grab the dirt and get to work or grab whatever machinery that they are wanting to help or design whatever it is they want to do. They need to enable their passion and whatever they're passionate, this plant has a space for it. And it is just right. now opening up and we need everyone. We do. And their dog. So when we're looking at, you know, the, the example I said a little bit ago when we we're talking about lighting yourself on fire. You know, you can't share, share that light with just one or two people. You have to share with anybody who has the ability to see it. And in doing so, you provide an opportunity for them not to walk blindly, for them to have, you know, a focused attention that they're able to, to walk forwardly boldly without fear of stumbling. And when that happens, then you look around and rather quickly, you find yourself surrounded by like-minded individuals. So what, what we were looking at here is a, an industry that's really in its infancy, if that. When we see the potential of this, it is far outstripping every other opportunity that is currently on the market. Whether that be technological, whether that be manufacturing, whether that be us looking at you know natural resource harvesting and transportation, we have a tremendous uh, opportunity at our footsteps uh, right here in front of us. That if we seize hold and move forward effectively, arm in arm, we see a radical transition in a very short period of time. So what we need in Texas, and not just Texas, but across the United States, is proper manufacturing and proper availability of an understanding of what this crop can do. Manufacturing, we need decortication. We need guys and gals that, you know, they're not only going to be running the crop, but they're also going to have their hand in manufacturing these goods. And in order to affect that, we have to have proper proliferation of information. So it starts with everybody reading from the same hymnal reading from the same page so that when we sing it's not a cacophony but a symphony that we can all move in unison together and that starts with everybody receiving that we can everybody receives the message the good news is that god loves you and he gave us an opportunity for a better life we just need to seize hold of it i hear um i hear from especially from the farming community the decorting uh the Decort. I can never say the freaking word. <laughs> Decorticator. Decorticator. Yes. Um, yes not currently available in the United States, or is that still is that false? And we've brought in, we've brought that some online here. Well, we have some that are sixty or seventy years old that were utilized for textile purposes. Um, you know, back in World War II when Manila was uh, captured by the Japanese, we started production of hemp at home uh, for our naval vessels. Um, and in doing so, we provided uh, an abundance of what we would call ditch wheat. Uh, it's proliferated as of yet. But our ability to process it has diminished. Um, so as far as the manufacturing centers, they are not established in the U.S. There's a company out of Canada that is offering a hemp train, is the name of that. And it can do around a ton an hour. And that's phenomenal. Um, but just for a small scale, looking at one county in West Texas, we are talking about needing 
uh, eight or ten of those machines just to do a reasonably sized farm. Well, the cost is, is rather prohibitive at this point in time. You look overseas in Belgium, where they've been doing this for some time, and there's an availability to do an excess of you know seven to ten tons an hour. Well, that's phenomenal. But it's still not quite where we need. We would need two of those machines running 24-7 just enable to properly you know, uh, sort the material from this one grow in a timely fashion. That's nevertheless counting the other 50 counties in, the US, uh, in Texas alone. So in order for us to proliferate this crop as an agricultural commodity, there needs to be steps taken by those who may or may not be a farmer, who may just have an inkling of an understanding of what this looks like. And it's all walks of life, whether you do have, you know, Wall Street or, you know, you're working in the finance industry or you have your hands in the dirt or you're somewhere in between. This is a crop that has the opportunity to bring everyone back together. And so with that in mind, you know, uh, we need manufacturers in America, specifically Texas, that are oriented for producing, uh, you know, the capital requirements of this machinery, these elements that allow us to proliferate the potential of the crop. You know, if we're talking about biodiesel, that is something that can be set up within a week or two on site on the farm. And you're talking about now something that doesn't clog up the oil filters like corn does. You're able to produce readily methanol and ethanol in abundance out of your waste. And so in order to generate that waste appropriately, and it's not waste, it's, it's not refuse, but, you know, it's not what is currently available. It's a zero waste plant. Yes, it is a zero waste plant. And with it being so, a zero waste plant, it all goes to the trash can, which becomes the biodiesel. So no matter what, it can go somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. And the whole goal that we're implementing, you know, you, you utilize the term regenerative farming, which is phenomenal. Is, I need that term proliferate. But we are also working on something called permaculture, which includes uh, regenerative farming to ensure that the acreage itself, the soil quality, increases year after year. But furthermore, that we're putting an infrastructure on the acreage that avails the farmers to many other options that were previously out of reach. We are talking about putting in, you know, not just, um, you know, uh, renewable energy and greater road access, water access, and, uh, you know, keeping them uh, oriented towards conservative thought in their resource allocation, but also uh, in availing them to a, a, you know, they're not dedicated to harvest. They have multiple streams of income, such as data aggregation. The farmers are able to uh, pay attention to what they're doing as they're doing it, monitor that data, and then feed it into uh, a data matrix. Then we are then able to cut that up a dozen different ways, avail that information to the public. And now the farmer is able to get paid off of not only their work, but how they went about their work, which enables these guys to, to engage into the technological sphere. Not only for creating the baseline products such as graphene, which will be tremendous over the next decade, but also for going after server farms on the farms. So that not only can they monitor their data and the flow, but they also get paid off of its throughput and its added value. All we're trying to accomplish, and some people tell us this is too much, but is to level the playing field to some degree where people's efforts are justly rewarded. Just trying to make it you reap what you sow. Amen. That's it. <laughs> I love it. You guys, this is this is such beautiful, incredible work that you're doing. And um I feel I feel so deeply tied to the work. I have so many friends who 
you know, are not generational farmers who have gone that direction and have been extremely successful with restorative agriculture, um, creating food forests, um, transforming, uh, you know, literally desert lands, overgrazed lands into lush, water-filled, you know, growable property and it's incredible to see how they work with the land and with the with the water and all the pull water out of thin air all of a sudden there's springs popping up all over the place it's just Mm -hmm. it's incredible to watch and i'm really excited to fall uh to follow your guys's journey um you've already given such a tremendous amount of value both of And um, so I feel almost foolish asking the question, but I just want to make sure that if there's any other gold nuggets in there, that they're captured right here on the, on the podcast. So let me ask this question in this, in this segment, I call it the words of wisdom. And this is my opportunity or our opportunity to sort of collaborate and share knowing what we know now, having come through what we've come through and gotten to where we've gotten to, what would be one or two key pieces of advice from each of you that you might offer a budding entrepreneur or existing business owner, um, somebody who's young in this space, um, to help them avoid the potential pitfalls and make that quantum leap to bring value into this industry? Well, first I would kind of say is always stay hungry. Because you have to have a thirst for knowledge to want to desire to keep pushing forward as you are going through this. Right now, we are not at the promised land times. We are at the getting to work times. And it's going to require that you're going to push up your sleeves and go to work. Uh, work is going to be different for every single person that's involved with it. Uh, we're really excited about this is even people that have, uh, different disabilities would be able to kind of come in and we would want to encourage people to think about what their passions are and then get into an align where you can do that through hemp or cannabis, wherever you are, because it's going to take the nationwide effort to go together. So information spreading it information, gathering it, and connecting arm in arm with your brothers and sisters. Good one. Mm-hmm. Follow that you know, I, would, I would say consider it the cause. <laughs> right? Look at Zerubbabel and, uh, when, you know, the, the Bible where it talks about uh, Persia taking off all of the Jews in the first diaspora. Um, we have an opportunity here to rebuild the walls, so to speak. Uh, solidify our approach to community. Uh, but before you do that, consider the cost. Make sure that you are cognizant of, and you have your eyes open to as much of the opportunity and the risk that this will bring in. That being said, that is why we advise relying on your brother. Lean on him and he'll lean on you. You know, where two or more are gathered, God is present. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So our goal is to go into as many differing regions as we're able to and enable the local populace for regional control. And if we have people's mindset that we can begin locally and transition that impact to not only federally but globally, that is how we start taking measurable steps that impact 
your brother here, close and abroad. With this material, we can create body armor and weaponry and all sorts of other things. But we can also create a lifestyle that does not require us to need those things. So as far as words of wisdom, it would be don't try to do it on your own. Ensure every piece of information you receive. Do your own homework. And all the way through, ensure that you have a backup that does not rely on anyone else, that you are moving forward, that you are taking hold of your own future, and you are taking active steps to protect against outside influences. And that would be what I would advise when looking getting into this. Oh, and when you think you have nothing left and you're brought to your knees, that's right where you need to be. That means you should be praying because you ain't got nothing left. <laughs> and then it starts. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> and again and again. So if you enjoy yeah. the process more than the profit, right, then you are geared for this industry. But if your goal is the money at the end of the rainbow, then this may not be the best place for you. Man, y'all got me shook over here. I'm like, I'm ready to, I'm feeling good. The vibration is high <laughs> on this side of the line. I'll tell you what, the vibration is high. You're, you're literally <laughs> preaching to the choir. I talk about this all the time, man. And I say it, I say it like this. If you don't have a God-given passion and purpose, the profitability of this business is pretty sparse. It's very, very cash intensive. And if you're not on a bigger mission with a purpose and passion, the profitability is going to continuously evade you because you're in it for the wrong reasons. And cannabis, plant cannabis has been like that for as long as I can remember the folks who came in and, you know, and I'm talking about the old school of the industry, you know, the folks who came in and loved the plant and really put the time and energy and, you know, you could really see the difference in the end product from, you know, the other folks who were just like industrial farming and, and putting out as much pounds as they could for the sake of selling it and living this crazy lifestyle. Right. The folks right. who really, the love you put into this crop, it repays tenfold. Yeah, absolutely. So it, that has not changed. That has not changed. No. What has changed is the people and the practice that that is involved with this industry. So I'll piggyback off of what you guys have said, which essentially the first thing I heard was, you know, teamwork. You can't go at this alone. You have to really have a strong team around you, whether they're, you know, family, friends, um, you know, people that you've developed a relationship with. My suggestion is you take a look at a book called The Millionaire Master Plan. And there's a, there's a profiling test included inside of this book that was written by Roger James Hamilton, who's somewhat of a futuristic entrepreneur. He's taken about 5,000 years of the in I Ching and paired it with modern day entrepreneurialism to help you identify who you are, what your natural talents are, and how you should leverage those talents to be be a part of a team or build a team that can help you bring the most amount of value into the marketplace with the most amount of leverage so that you can make the biggest impact and therefore be rewarded by the marketplace with the most amount of income that's possible. And that comes by building trust. 
right? And trust is built by relationships. You, you really have to work at this thing. And at the core of it, cannabis and hemp industry is still a relationship business. You have to build relationships with your farmers, your supply chain, your legislation. Everybody needs to feel like you care. And people don't know, don't care what you know until they know that you care. So building your team, understanding what your genius is and applying that effectively will help you to bring your mission or vision to fruition, which is the second piece that I heard from you guys, which is having a vision and not letting anything interrupt that mission that's a part of the vision. And with a powerful vision, I've said this over and over again, having a very clear, a very powerful vision, like you've witnessed here on this call today, for those of you who are tuning in, I know you are feeling it because I am. And, um, you know, having a very powerful vision, something that is greater than yourself, that is fueled and, and, um, and, pushed forward by a force that is greater than yourself. Sometimes as, as measly human beings, we do not have the will. We do not have the wherewithal. We cannot find the strength. We cannot see or pull the resources necessary to make the next step happen. However, when you are brought to your knees, you could not have said this any better. When you are brought to your knees and you are faced with adversity and there is seemingly nowhere else you can go, it is that force that is greater than yourself that will put the right people and the right uh, possibilities or tools right in your hand or right before you. They say that if you know where you're going, and you know where you have been, if you know what you want to do for who and how you want to serve them, when the people and the tools will show up to make the thing possible. So I implore you to, and even if you have an already existing business, I I beg of you and I implore you to revisit the vision of your company. What is it in fact that you are trying to accomplish? And I'll use this as as sort of a closing example. Do you think that Da Vinci or Michelangelo or any one of these incredible historical artists, Monet, for instance, do you think any of them could have understood what they were creating while they were creating it. I mean, I imagine, I imagine what it must've been like laying on a scaffold, you know, three inches away from painting the 16th chapel. Right. And you're just trying to paint the finger or trying to paint this hand or make the perfect brush strokes on an eyeball of an angel. And you're like, so your vision is so blurred because you're so close to this picture and you get frustrated and annoyed and feel like it's never going to be right. And you're just trying to paint an eyeball or a finger. And then all of a sudden you come down at the end of the day, weary and tired from your day's work and feeling like the work that you did wasn't good enough. And you come down off of the scaffold and you look up and all of a sudden there's this miraculous work of art before you. And sometimes we're too close to the picture to even understand what it is that we have created, the beauty that we have created. And it takes a moment to just step back and really be humbled by what you have done. So take those moments and make sure that the vision that you have 
is strong enough to enroll the type of team that can see that vision come to fruition. And don't forget to thank your lucky stars. <laughs> thank your lucky stars and praise God for all of the blessings that are making it possible for you to do the work that you do in the world every day. Amen. That's my words of wisdom. Guys, what an honor to be on here with you. Any closing thoughts and where can folks find you if they want to follow this journey or participate in what you guys have are doing? Well, we have a bit of a splash page, which is wfthc.com. There's actually two videos on there. One, which is Hemp for Victory, and the other is Hemp for Victory 73 years later. Just kind of uh, getting a toe in the water for some of the knowledge and information that this industry is heading towards. But really, uh, uh, that's kind of half the fun is figuring it out along the way. We are Wichita Falls, Texas Hemp Company. Uh, so WFTHC, all the THCs in our name. Love it. I'm taking a look at your guys' site right now. Great videos. I've done some extensive research into this. Um, for the, I, I want to thank you again for your time and the work that you guys are doing in the world. What an honor to make your acquaintance and to continue to build this friendship together. And please use me as a resource as an, and as an ally as you guys are pushing forward on these um, you know, incredible initiatives. It's such such beautiful work that you're doing. And I want to congratulate you ahead of time for the incredible change that I know you will be making and are making already in your communities. And for those of you guys who are tuning in, thank you so much for being a part of our Hemp Revolution family. This is such an honor and a pleasure to be able to bring the truth about cannabis and hemp directly to you so that you can make educated decisions about how you participate in this industry, um, how you care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions you may be suffering from or otherwise enjoy this beautiful gift of life. Uh, If you are someone looking for products that you can depend on to help you out in any facet, Check us out at medicalsecrets.com for easy to digest information and our favorite picks on products. And if you are someone who is in this business who needs merchant processing, banking, you need support working with legislation, accounting, if you need um, some support to miss the many pitfalls, break through some glass ceilings or brick walls, I'd love to hear your story. Shoot me an email, sonia at medicalsecrets.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest. Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution, and we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.